The Mindset Matters Show with Sinat Nurani. Good morning, good morning, beautiful people. And here we are again. It's that time of the week of the Mindset Matters talk show. I'm your host for the next hour, and I'll be talking about all subjects that matter around mental health and well-being, bringing about awareness, breaking down stigmas, things that we all need, and importantly, to send that message that we are not alone in everything that we go through, and that sometimes it's okay to feel the way we're feeling, but then how do we come out of it? And this is what this show's all about. So yes, let's be resilient, but not to the extent that it damages our mental health and well-being. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you can find me here every Friday, same time, same place. And each week I have amazing guests either in the studio or pre-recorded. They are experts in their fields or they are just simply amazing, brave people that come on the show and share their personal journeys and stories about what they've gone through and how they have come out from the other end of the tunnel so that they've been able to shine their light. So it's all about making that difference. So as you know, I'm the host of this show, but I'm not always here. What I do as well is I'm a well-being and mental health coach that supports and works with people from, well, all sorts, but I mainly focus on corporate companies, helping them within their personal and professional life so that um, their everything becomes more productive, absentees are limited. And I do this by addressing their mindset, their values, belief systems, looking at goal clarities, but importantly, self-awareness, because it all starts from the inside to the outside. And if you want to find out more about me, then just jump over to my website, www. I think I went too many W's there, but I always do that every week, zenatnarani.com. And if you can't wait to do that, why don't you just book a call with me straight away at calendly.com forward slash zenatnarani and let's get talking. Right. First of all, I'd like to... Uh, Thank my sponsor, Intune PR, Darren Wheel of Intune PR, marketing and consultant, journalist by print and audio. He's been here right at the beginning, from the beginning of my show, which started January this year and has been supporting me in and out through this. And it's something that he's very extremely passionate about. And I'd also like to thank uh, Chandra Sharma and Sarah Marsh Collins for always tuning in to listen. And she's actually just tweeted him. 
Uh, I'll be listening in whilst driving back from a very productive meeting with Intune PR. There we go. We're just talking about you, Darren. Uh, good luck, guys. Really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on uh, the Mindset Matters, Zenat Narani's weekly show. So well, thank you for listening in. And on that note, if you want to tweet in, shout out anything you have throughout this show for the next hour, do tweet in at Zenat underscore Narani and use the uh, hashtag MSM Radio Talks. Awesome. Um, where am I now? You know, this month, uh, there's lots and lots of things happening. So as you know, I like to bring about the things that are happening this month. But before I do that, I want to welcome my amazing guests who have come into the studio today. Two very different topics will be shared. So welcome, Tony Lyons. Good morning, Zena. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Just on a quick note, what will you be sharing with us? Well, I thought it might be helpful to talk to people about nerves. Nerves. When you go on stage, that horrible, horrible feeling. Great. Uh, as you know, I'm past the first flush of youth. <laughs> I've had a lot of experience with nerves, and I think I could probably... And I think you've got a wealth of knowledge there. Well, I've got some, and I'm very willing to share it. Yeah, and I think, you know, also for re you know what we've been through, and I don't want to use the pandemic and the COVID as an excuse, but lots of musicians... Uh, within the um, creative industry have been suffering and have gone through things and then suddenly back on stage so there's a lot of nerves going on there and as you know I've been doing a lot behind the scenes interviewing musicians you have I have but we're going to hear more about that after the break aren't we well it'll be my pleasure excellent right my next guest is Normie Rose Oh, thank you, Zena, and it's lovely to be here. It's lovely having you here. It's been coming for some time now. It has, and I'm, I'm finally here. Finally here. Restrictions have been lifted. And Normie's all come down from all the way from Birmingham. I have. You're all probably, 160 miles of it. There you go. You're probably <laughs> the only guest that's travelled that far to get to my studio. Oh, well, you're worth it. Oh, <laughs> isn't that a herbal essence uh, ad? Because I'm oh. worth it. You're worth it. <laughs> As L'Oreal says. Oh, is it L'Oreal? Yeah. Okay, well, see, so much for me washing my hair with the right product. <laughs> anyway, what will you be t sharing with us today? Um, okay, so I'm going to be talking about uh, my story and how I overcame uh, an abusive past to where I am now. And I'm going to be talking about mindset and how you have to change the way you think um, to get the results you want mm. in life. Yeah. And believe me, uh, Normie is really inspiration. I mean, this show is also not long enough to hear everything, unfortunately, but I'll have to get you back in. But, um, you know, what you've gone through and how you've come out from the other side is absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll come back to you in just a sec. I'm just going to quickly do my um, what's happening this month. So... We've got Know Your Numbers, which is from the 6 to 12. It sounds really f weird, Know Your Numbers. But what it means is it's encouraging people to know their blood pressure numbers and take necessary actions to reach and maintain healthy blood pressure. So there's that awareness. We've got World protect uh, Protection, Well Prevention Suicide Day on the 10th of September. So it's that time again where we raise awareness of suicide and suicide prevention across the globe. And that's absolutely huge and massive. 
um, especially over the last uh, almost two years now it's coming, isn't it? And it's always one of those things that are, people are afraid to talk about. We've got Migraine Awareness Week from the 5th to the 11th. It's, you know, one of the third most common diseases in the world. Um, and an estimated global prevalence of one in seven people suffer from migraines. So that it's, it's, let's bring awareness to that because it's horrendous. I don't know about you, but I used to suffer really badly from migraines. So, yes. I was lucky. I've never had that. Wow. Yeah, it's not, it's not nice. Not nice. Uh, we have World Sepsis Day on the 13th, an opportunity for people worldwide to, to unite in fight against it. World uh, Patient Safety Day on the 17th. We've got organ donation 20, 20th to the 26th, encouraging people to join the NHS uh, organ donor register. We've got National Eye Health from the 20th to the 26th. So healthcare professionals joining forces to encourage more people to have regular eyesight and make lifestyle um, choices that benefit their vision and general well-being. Vision matters. And I think that's really important. The amount of times that we spend now on technology staring endlessly. At I screens. agree. <laughs> totally <Absolutely>. agree. <laughs> it's almost like an addiction, isn't it? It's it really is. bad. It's a way of life. It is a way of life. Uh, what else have we got coming on? We've got uh, National Fitness Day on the 22nd. So make this the most active day of the year. What are you going to be doing for that day? I'm going to set you guys an action going to plan. to the gym. You're going to go to the gym? Six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but that's nothing new. You do that anyway. I do that anyway. Um, I, I do want to do a 5K. Okay. So I think I'm sort of like training myself slowly to go and do 5K. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe maybe that's the goal. That's the goal on the 22nd for yeah. National Fitness Day. There you go. What about yourself, Tony? Having got to this age, um, I still try to keep fit. I do a lot of press-ups, exercising. I take the dog round the wreck every day, mm. at least twice a day. But other than that, if I get a terrific urge to do some exercise, I generally go and lay on the bed until it passes. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say to that? <laughs> I'm actually speechless, believe it or not. <laughs> well, well, I'm not actually. I'm not even going to mention the age, but I'm sure he's allowed. At his so. age. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on to the next one. World's Biggest Coffee Morning, the 25th. Support Macmillan by hosting your own coffee morning to raise awareness. And on that note, Chandra Sharma of Tangent Offices, uh, Office Resources, excuse me, will be holding a Macmillan morning. He does that every year. Unfortunately, the last... Um, few times it hasn't happened as we know why um but yes any donations anything like that please do get in touch with myself or with chandra sharma himself and come and join us there it's in such an amazing day and you know to be part of so yeah come along i'm coming great excellent are you going to come down from birmingham if you can i am Brilliant. lots of cake cake <laughs> That's what you always say to me I when you know. come down cake. That's what happened last night. Did you remember? That was a lovely fudge cake. Um, UK National Inclusion Week is also happening on the 27th to the 3rd of October, designed to celebrate everyday inclusion in all forms, inclusive employers. So how are you going to celebrate that and do that? Right, so that's what's happening in the month of September. 
lots of things going on. I'm sure there's more things I could probably go on and on, but those are the ones that I kind of want to flag up today. And maybe next week I'll flag up a few more important days. Right, without further ado, let's talk to my first guest, Normie, a mindset NLP coach, speaker and wealth strategist. Also a business owner of four businesses. Normie, as she said, will be sharing her personal story of a survivor of domestic violence and abuse. Normie, Um, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit first about who you are and how your journey started? Okay. So I, as, as you know, I came, I basically came out of not one, but two uh, domestic abuse marriages or abusive marriages. Um, And I found myself basically divorced nine years ago uh, with three children, three boys, one of them being a disabled child. And I found myself basically very overweight, uh, very down, very depressed, even though I was the one that ended the marriage. Mm. Um, And that was a very difficult time for me because I was dealing with a lot of stuff. So I was dealing with, obviously, the fact that I was single. I was having to support these three children. I was overweight. Um, But at the same time, it was the start of a beautiful journey, uh, you know. And first thing I did uh, back in uh, 20, was it 2012, 2013, was lose weight. Can I just ask you, um, if you don't mind kind of rewinding back a little bit, just to kind of have a picture, because I'm sure there's lots of people out there who have been through similar things. I mean, what were the triggers of this abuse that started where did it suddenly come from because I think sometimes we don't realize that we're in a relationship and this is happening how do we spot it I mean you know can you shed some light to that yeah the first one okay so where the first one was obviously in Pakistan it was to my cousin it was something I was I wasn't in control of I had to go and do it because of the pressure that I was obviously being placed on me by family it was something I did sort of rebel against uh, up until age 22, but it just because of family pressure and and mm. all the rest of it, it just I just went ahead with it, mm. right? Because I and in the back of my mind, I actually knew this is not going to work. Um, but I went ahead with it. I lived in Pakistan for two years. Mm. It was absolute horrendous time of my life. I was isolated. I felt like a prisoner. I had no money. I I was being starved, um, beaten, you name it. And on top of that, I had nobody. So you're literally where you've got no friends, nobody to turn to. And the only people that you really Mm. have are your relatives. But your relatives are all sort of like your in-law side. Yeah. So eventually that went on for two years um i came out Mm. of that by obviously getting pregnant coming back to the uk when i was 26 weeks pregnant um very ill very um skinny you couldn't even tell i was pregnant Mm. i ended up having the child at 28 weeks by emergency cesarean my son was only two two pounds in weight and was had spina bifida so that was like, as I said, that was a very hard time for me. Um, I ended up getting divorced back in two thousand. 
And then I was single. I, I was single mm. with this child who was ill and in and out of hospital like a yo-yo. And did you have support here from anyone? In Initially, the UK? I didn't. Um, but once I'd got divorced or he divorced me, um, they all came round because the 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 focus then was not the fact that I was divorced. The focus was mm. my son. Right. So eventually they all, including my mom and everybody else, they all came around. Um, so what happened was I was happy. I was divorced. I was working as a legal executive. My son was sort of, you know, in and out of hospital, but at nursery. Mm. I was happy. So what kept you going in that time? Because you were happy. So what kind of things kept you kind of motivated, inspired? Because you've kind of broken away from that. And you're mm. trying to build a new life, a new you, a probably a new identity. Yeah. So what kept me going was my son, believe it or not. Mm. Um, my focus was him. I had to keep him, like, you know, safe with the right medical treatment. And at the same time, I was trying to rebuild myself. So I was doing that. Um, I was working. I managed to get a job as a legal executive. At the same time, I was doing a legal executive diploma. At the same time, I was obviously uh, looking after my son. Um, I was happy. I didn't want to be with anybody. I was happy being single. I had money coming in. I had a car. I had a good job. You know, everything was fine. Um, 2002, I think it was, um, I went to Orlando. I took my son to Orlando. Mm -hmm. And as you know, family, they talk about you, don't they? Course. They love talking about you. So, like, my family were talking about me to their relatives, friends, whatever, work people. And all of a sudden, I find when I come back from Orlando that there's this guy who's interested in me. Yeah. And they'd done everything, basically, while I was abroad. So my mum's then approached me and said, oh, by the way, there's this guy mm. who wants to get married to you. And I was like, What? It was arranged. It was arranged. So because I was in the mindset, and obviously I'm not in the mindset now, but I was still in that mindset back then that, number one, I'm a divorcee. Number two, I have this disabled child. Who's going to want me? Mm. That was my my mindset back then. Who's going to want me? So I considered this guy on the basis of that mindset. Who's going to want me? Um, so, yes, I was open to it. I then eventually met him, got told the whole spiel of how he was from Denmark and he had a, showed me this lovely Denmark passport. Um, and long story short, without even getting to know him, I ended up getting married to him two months later. It's almost uh, like they're setting like yeah. a, a canvas, a monument and... It's it's like a CV almost, yeah. isn't it? And, and it's pressure from so many other people besides yeah. just you and him. Yeah. And it 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 came very. Uh, I mean, there was sort of like very quickly it became apparent that this person was not a Denmark national. He was illegal. He'd been here eight years. He hadn't been able to go back to Pakistan, and all of a sudden, because I was an immigration advisor. Mm. That's why I had been uh, what headhunted in in a way. Oh wow! Right, um, and 
because it was my second marriage and because of society and culture and all the rest of it, I decided I have to try and make this work. Yeah. So I ended up going to Pakistan. I ended up doing his visa. He came back. I tried and tried and tried for 10 years with this man. Um, I managed, I got his visa. I got his indefinitely to remain. I got his nationality. I had two sons with him. This man never accepted me and or my child as his own. Mm. It was very apparent from the beginning that what all the he wanted, were. yeah, the, the intention was a visa. Yeah. The intention was British nationality. The intention was money. And because I was a breadwinner and I've always been a breadwinner and because I was working in the legal field, I was a legal executive working as an immigration advisor, obviously I made money. Um, and that's what and that's what it was all about with him anyway. It's like and I kept giving him the money because I thought if I give him the money, he'll love me. He'll give me the love that I want. And it never worked. Mm. And I did it for 10 years and I was paying all the bills and everything. But long story short, it was, you know, there was times when I had a feeling he was cheating on me. Um, I had random women phoning me up, uh, asking for him. Mm. And despite that, I still decided to stay with him because... Obviously, coming from an Indian Pakistani background, you don't get divorced. It's tradition twice. of the of the people you come from. Yeah. yeah. So eventually, uh, I think the nail on the coffin for me was when he screwed up uh, immigration to Canada. So he knew I wanted to emigrate to Canada in two thousand and twelve. <laughs> We finally got a chance to emigrate to Canada. I got mm. him a work visa, which I paid for. He went to Canada. He did the training for two months um, after resigning from his job from here. Went there. I gave him a whole load of money to get himself set up, you know, with a property, somewhere to live and all the rest of it. Um, he did his two months training. He then came back. Uh, sorry, he then was told from his the company that was employing him, by the way, you have the job. Guess what he did? No he idea. turned around and said, oh, well, I don't want the job. I'm going back to the UK. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So literally £12,000 worth of immigration fees and you name it, um, all just went down, literally down the toilet. So he came back, and for me, that was the nail on the coffin. And still, I stayed with him, but we were in separate bedrooms. So he came back April 2012. I then, I then basically, you know, um, we split this literally December 2012. So that was that was the start of my single life, and, and I've been amazing. single ever since. You know, and it's amazing the yeah. impact of. That we don't realise the impact of family, culture, upbringing, conditioning yeah. that it can have until you tear yourself away from that. Then you get the perspective, which you have done. That's so t- it. tell us um, a little bit how you move forward. What gave you the strength now to be who you are? Because you're, you know, like I said, you're an incredible woman now and you have a whole different perspective on life. And you're a very attractive woman. She oh, is, isn't you. she? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say something really quickly? Uh, 
Tangent Office has tweeted in, listening in, multitasking. Great to hear a fellow Brummy Normie and my great friend and Friday Wind Down partner, Tony Lyons. Thanks for the mentions, particularly regarding Macmillan, Macmillan Coffee Day on the 25th of September. There you go. Oh, we must meet up, Darren, yes. very soon. <laughs> yeah? Um, so, okay, so... My I initially back in 2012 2013 my my prerogative was to lose weight and I lost it and I got down Excellent. from a size 18 to a size 12 10 and I started modeling and acting. Well you're beautiful why wouldn't <laughs> yeah. you? So I started modeling and acting so that was the start and that and, brings such confidence. Yeah and that just brought so much confidence in me because all of a sudden when you lose weight you you just automatically automatically start taking photographs mm. and then putting it on Facebook and all of a sudden I was getting offered all these like work, acting work, modelling mm. work and, and I did it I, you know and it boosted my confidence but it wasn't something I wanted to do long term and mm. I still do it now but it's just for me it's just a hobby Yeah. Um, the initial breakthrough for me was five years ago so five years ago what happened was I was fed up literally fed up I had 10 grand well 15 grand in the bank and I went and booked myself on a massive <laughs> massive holiday I remember her telling me this week holiday and I blew the whole lot good but luck I you. had the absolute brilliant time mm. ever that I've ever had in my whole life and it was all about me and I didn't care about anybody else I didn't care about the family I didn't care about friends colleagues who it didn't matter it was about me I needed to go on this six-week holiday and have Amazing. a blast which I did but Boy, when did I you deserve it oh I Absolutely. did deserve it. and when I came back on around the 15th of January 2017 I was broke to the nines didn't have a clue what I was going to do didn't know where to turn to people you thought were going to help you didn't and I understood one thing from that time. I had to change my mindset. Mm. If I wanted a different result, I had to change my mindset. And that's exactly what I started doing. So I started listening to Tony Robbins. I started talking to coaches. I then went to UPW. And my first breakthrough came when a total stranger of Facebook contacted me. He'd been following me on my journey. Um... And he contacted me. I was in London on the 22nd of January. I remember it really clearly. I was broke. I was stuck in the middle of London. I didn't have money mm. for the tube. And this random stranger who I didn't know, I'd never met on, on Facebook, sent me 50 quid. And to this day, we are the bestest of friends. We're more close than friends. I've paid him the 50 quid back, by the way. Right? <laughs> Do you know what? I think, <laughs> which is great. I was going to say I paid him 50 grand, but there you go. <laughs> but, you know, it takes that one moment yeah, of change. That's something that literally drastically changes your yeah. life. I mean, you know, um, thinking about everything you've gone through and this change, that this breakthrough that you had. Now, if you had some advice for anyone out there, Hmm. that has gone through or is going through something very similar to this, what would that advice be to them? The advice be, uh, I would give is basically change your mindset. You hmm. have to change your mindset and you have to 
get away from the negative Nellies. Yeah. You have to. And it doesn't matter whether it's your family, your friends, whoever is in your life who is making you not move forward mm. in a positive manner and Absolutely. holding you back, even if it's your parent, it doesn't matter. Move away from them. And that's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? It is. And I've had to do it. You've done it. I've had to do it. I mean, I've had to break off from friends and people who I really loved, oh, who were gosh. so close to me. Mm. But because they weren't good for me, I've moved away. Yeah. And you have to do that. Um, you have to surround yourself with people who are going to push you and push you and push you. Who bring you in up. In a positive way. Yeah. Uh, to, to reach your full potential. Because everybody has greatness within them. They do. But well, because even me. Even you, Tony. Oh. <laughs> even you. Um, and you want those people who will also listen to you yeah. and understand what you're going through. Can I just uh, read a tweet out from Sonia Ablam? She's just tweeted in uh, saying, loving your story, uh, Normie. What an amazing woman you are. Oh, thank heart, you, heart, heart, Sonia. Face. You know what... Uh, it's coming to that time. Unfortunately, we're going to have to go and hit a, hit that's, the break button in a minute. But fine. if people want to find out more about you, really touch base with you, know more about your story, just get inspired by you. Where can they go? Okay. So I'm Normie Rose on Facebook, N-O-R-M-I, Rose. I'm Normie Rose on LinkedIn and I'm Normie Rose on Instagram. And she's definitely a rose. I'm definitely a rose. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> there we go. So anyway, I think it's time for a short break to stretch our feet and top up our water glasses, perhaps get another coffee or something, have a little boogie. And we're going to uh, come back with the next guest, Tony Lyons, a.k.a. Tony Romero. But in this break, I'm going to be playing one of his songs and it's called There's a Small Hotel There's a small hotel with a wishing well I wish that we were there Together There's a bridal suite One room bright and neat Complete for us to share Together Looking through the window you can see a distant steeple Not a sign of people Who wants people When the steeple bell Says goodnight, sleep well We'll thank that small hotel Together
lives a small hotel Oh, it's got a little wishing well How I wished that we were there Together There is a bridal suite Just one room, bright and neat Complete for us to share Together Looking through the window You can see a distant steeple Not a sign of people Who the hell wants people When the steeple bell Says good night, sleep well We'll thank that small hotel We'll get inside a little shell We'll thank that small hotel Together Welcome to Mindset Matters, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Sinat Noorani. This show is dedicated to offering insights, support and tips covering a range of topics related to addressing your mental health and well-being. Each week, guest experts and brave inspirational people share their personal journey and experiences about their recovery, bringing awareness and change to the importance of breaking through this long-standing negative stigma. Well, 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 how did you enjoy that? There's a small hotel by Tony Romero, a.k.a. Tony Lyons. Right, we're going to dive straight in to speaking to Tony. Hello. Good morning. We've already done the good morning bits. We've already done the good morning bit. The good morning bit we have... Tony, why don't you start telling us a little bit about yourself and then we're going to dive into kind of what it's been like for you in terms of how you've um, kept your confidence, the impact on your mental health and well-being, all of this. And then kind of ending off with some advice for upcoming artists or people out there in the music industry. And also because you're still singing as well. So I'll leave it up to you. Off we go. Okay, how did it start, the singing? Is that, that, that's the Let's thing. Let's start from there. I yeah. think so. Um, I'm, I'm not a religious person. I have respect for all religions and, and I love ethereal religious people to be there for support, etc. But I don't actually believe in one religion. But through a whole series of inter-family relationships... I, I was I was found myself as a young boy at an Orthodox Jewish boarding school, and mm-hmm. I wasn't terribly happy. I didn't like it. I didn't like the religion. It was too oppressive for me. But there was one wonderful man there, a rabbi called Rabbi Couple Rosen, and in the synagogue on a Saturday morning, we had to sit there for nearly three hours, and we got very very bored. And it was all in ancient Hebrew didn't understand what was going on. But there was one particular bit where we sang as a choir. Mm. And gradually he edged me up the front to sing little bits by myself. 
And I was such a terrible student at everything that he told me that. (laughs) But he said, you know what? You can sing. And from then on, he let me do lead bits in the choir. So that's when it started. I was about 11, 12, that kind of age. That's when I started to realise what a kick I got out of singing. Singing religious, orthodox, Jewish hymns. (laughs) (laughs) But they were lovely songs, I must say, that the music is beautiful. And that kind of got me on my way. Mm. I never got over it. Anything I did, I I started out life at... um, I left school quite early and I went into the hairdressing business with my dad, who was quite big in that business... But every opportunity I got, I was singing, singing, nightclubs, anywhere that they'd have me. And um, eventually, along the way, I won a couple of talent contests. So I went into it. I got into it. I became a professional performer. hidden talent. Well, I tried not to hide it. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to expose it, Zena, but it took a bit of doing, but I did manage to sort of earn a living singing songs mm. in theatres, nightclubs, at weddings, bar mitzvahs, engagement parties, bigamous marriages, divorce celebrations, anywhere they'd have me. Divorce celebrations. <laughs> That's a well, funny one. No, believe me, they have it. They have yeah. divorce parties now. Well, I think I, I need to have one too. I think. It, I don't well, need to call you, Tony. <laughs> listening to your story, I think you're entitled to one. So let's have one, and I will sing for you with the greatest of oh, pleasure. Thank you. you need a hook to get me off. Okay. <laughs> so that's really what what got me into it, Zena. That's what it, it's a lifelong thing, mm. and I, I, at this ripe old age, I still get just as much pleasure out of it as I ever did. The least little thing, least little excuse. But I suffered dreadfully with nerves before I go on stage. Hard to imagine, Tony. Hard to imagine sitting here, isn't it, Normie? It is. Well, I think that this is the advice bit. Shall I roll on? Keep going. I believe that practically every performer suffers with nerves absolutely i don't think you ever get over it no i think you can learn to cope with it mm. and learn to uh, control it so that it doesn't ruin your performance yeah so it works for you isn't exactly. it because some nerves they say is really good for you well mm. exactly because um, the adrenaline. if you didn't care what was going to happen you wouldn't be nervous it is because you care so passionately that everything is going to come out dead right mm. that you get nervous. Yeah. Somebody once said to Frank Sinatra, I mean, one of the biggest stars the planet has ever seen, and he's like, my God, I think he's wonderful. He's, he uh, they said, Frank, this was after 60 years on, you're not nervous on stage anymore, are you? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. And they said, you, Frank Sinatra, you get nervous? He says, yes, I do. I said, well, why? He said, hold on a minute. Have you ever stopped to figure out how many different things could go wrong? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. You only need one musician, one person, an electrical fault. The lights go out. Somebody gets drunk and screams and spoils it all. There's so many, many things, things that can yeah. go wrong. Yeah. 
And it makes you very, very nervous. Yeah. Mm. So what I have done, and I think a lot of artists do, is I've learnt to, to kind of identify with mm. it in as much as it's a very unpleasant feeling, but it's not the end of the world. You can bear it. Mm. It's a bit like if you're in a swimming pool area Reach and you're about way. to plunge into cold water, you think, oh, I'm not going to be able to do that. But everybody starts jumping in, so you think, all right, I've got to. So you jump in. <laughs> and when you get in, oh, my God, it's freezing. And then after a few strokes, it feels all right. Yeah. Mm. And then five minutes later, you're thinking, oh, isn't it lovely to be in this water? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's what nerves are like on stage. As you go on, you get this dreadful feeling. But once you get going... Yeah. If you sense the crowd are with you mm. and none of the going wrong things have gone wrong, yeah. you begin to feel so euphoric and so happy that it's well worth the nervous bit before. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you kind of go, well, what, what was I nervous about in the first place? Yeah. Exactly. But it's just basically, like I said before in the break, it doesn't matter how many times you've done it, we are still act like it's the first mm. time yeah. and we're nervous as hell and 100%. You know what? when I was skating professionally I was the same every time I stepped out on that ice mm. I just got the shiver I am on ice anyway shivering mm. but yeah. <laughs> but it was but it was actually like you said it was amazing yes um but that nerve actually helped me through yes this um, is so true can I just ask did you have a routine before um, you performed? Because I'm speaking yes. to a lot of musicians, they have a specific routine that they do or it's their moment in time and you don't kind of interrupt that. Did you have one of those? Yes, I, I think it may shock you a bit, but I'll tell you about <laughs> it if you'd like to. First of all, um, I was taught some of my singing. When I, when I decided to go professional, I had some singing lessons mm. by oh. an opera singer. Oh, wow. Mabel Corrin was her name. And she said, never mind about singing. First, I'm going to teach you how to breathe. You don't breathe properly. <laughs> and she really, she was right. I mean, I thought she was crazy, but she mm. was right. Yeah. And it comes down to yoga breathing, yeah. Yeah. which is really not very difficult to learn. No. And it makes the most enormous difference to how you feel and to conquer the nerves. Yeah. And secondly, oh, this is a bit naughty, but I hope you'll let me get away with it. <laughs> People are frightened of trembling. They get the feeling my hands are going to shake and everybody mm. is going to look at me and know that I'm nervous because I'm trembling. Mm. Quietly, I'll tell you, if you clench your buttocks, <laughs> your hands will not shake. <laughs> and unless you've got a very tight garment on, trousers or skirt... No one knows what you're doing, and I promise you, it stops your hands from shaking. So, with a bit of yoga breathing, breathing and butt clenching, yeah. and, a, and a bit of butt clenching, I get to the dive in bit. Yeah, and I get through that nice and quickly, okay. and then I pray that it's a great audience and the musicians are all in, in, in good form. And all of a sudden, I get that euphoria. So, yeah. however lousy it felt before. It's worth it for the euphoria. In Brilliant. fact, that's the main reason I do it. 
Yeah. Oh, well, there you go then. I love it. It's I passion. just. What, the breathing or the butt clenching? The singing. <laughs> oh, the singing. <laughs> I'm completely off. Sorry, you've You're left me at the butt. <laughs> You're passionate. If without passion, you've got nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what you Indeed. do. That, you need to have passion. And do you yeah. know what? When you spoke about breathing, and you know, on my show, we've talked about breathing, and there's so many of us, actually, I mean, put singing aside, but many of us do not breathe properly. No, we we don't. do not know how to breathe. And it's so easy. I mean, it's really not breathing in to start the, the technique. Mm. It's breathing out. It's getting rid of all the bad air. We don't, we don't yeah. breathe out thoroughly enough. Yeah. No. And that's the beginning of it. And then Mabel Corrin taught me to kind of gulp air. Okay. Flex your diaphragm, not your, not your bottom this time, your <laughs> diaphragm, and gulp air. And if your diaphragm is flexed and you gulp air, mm, you right. get much more air. Yeah. So you can hold a note. Mm. And as soon as you practice doing this, you can actually hold notes longer and longer and it makes the music smoother and people enjoy listening to it more. It's making your voice, if you like, into a type of instrument. Okay. You know, I think this is all really important because you're doing this singing and it reflects on your well-being of how well you feel within yourself when you're performing Mm. and how effectively and productively and efficiently everything works together. Well, particularly the sort of songs I sing because they're either euphorically happy or they're romantic and and sad mm, I and, love the and romantic describing ones. heartfelt love. Yes. Uh, and you can change the mood of an entire audience Absolutely. if you get it right. Yeah. And it's a very empowering feeling. Mm. I, I, I can't tell you how, if anybody's got an urge to do it, <laughs> go ahead and do it do because it. you'll love it, yeah. Can I ask you, in your career, because I'm just looking at the time as well, in your career... Obviously, you're energised by all these amazing things that happened. Were there any times where your mental well-being was effective, uh, sorry, affected and you struggled and then how did you overcome that? Just some tips out there for anybody who's in this industry. OK, well, it's, it's a convoluted, but the, the up period was getting towards stardom, if you like. Mm. I was in a couple of really big shows in central London, in Blackpool. I was in a show with uh, Max Wall and Ray Martin. It was a mainline show, Mm. big gear. And I got a record contract with a company called Decca. It's a long time ago, this. Mm. But Decca was big. And in those days, you couldn't make your own record how you can today. Mm. Every record cost hundreds of thousands. You know, it was the equipment was... Not like it is today. So the fact is, to get a record contract, there's another reason to become euphoric. Mm. And what with this show and everything, I was tipped for stardom. Mm. People were saying, yeah, you're you're going to make it. There's no question. Tony Romero's right there. Once this record's released, that's it. And I even had a television thing booked. You know, it was all happening. I had no control with Decca. Right. They decided who I would sing with, what I would Mm. sing and And when when. I would sing it. Mm. And if I didn't like that, there's the door. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, I just had to hope and pray that it worked. Mm. That's a lot of pressure. It did not work. (laughs) The record was a flop. Mm. And I did suffer mental health Mm. because... 
Okay, I was earning what a lot of people would say was big money per show, but I was spending big money. Mm. I was staying at hotels, I was eating at restaurants, I yep. drank quite a bit. I wasn't a drunk, but I drank. Yeah. Um, you lived the life of what you were indeed, earning, you were spending. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, musical arrangements cost a lot of money. Mm. And I was doing them for fun because I loved the sound of a particular song. I'd get guys together, pay them, get a studio and have it arranged. A few hundred quid each time. Mm. So when the record flopped, I was broke and I had to get out the business because I needed to earn some money. I needed, mm. you know, to get a mortgage and start life. Absolutely. I was Survival. putting it off. Mm. Exactly. And I got very depressed over that. What got me out of it? You might say luck. A very dear friend, a guy called David Sheffers, had a big gambling business. Mm. And he needed a front man. He needed a personality guy. And he gave me a job. And he gave me a lot of encouragement. And he said, it's not wasted. All the stuff you've learnt, you can put to good use in this business. And yeah. I'll pay you good money for it. So I got lifted out like that. Mm. But it is a surely, it is a constant. I regret not staying in the business. I should have thought there'll be another record, there'll be another chance. Mm. But I ran scared because I was broke. That was very, very depressing. Mm. So, I mean, as we know, the music industry is a tricky one. Uh, we don't all go into it for money, but it's the passion. As Normie had said early on, you've got to be passionate about it. So... We're not, and of course, there are musicians out there and artists that you know are making it brilliantly. They've got loads and loads of money, but again, that comes with its own pressure. But what advice can you give to people who are starting out? Because you're saying you you kind of felt that you regretted that you didn't stick it, but you've also learnt from it because it affected your mental health. But you might have come out the other end because now you're better. So mm. what advice have you got? Does that make sense? Yes, it makes mm. absolute sense. And I know exactly what I did wrong, or at least I'm 99% I'm mm. sure. I allowed Decker to rob me of my own artistic emotion. Mm. I let them take me over. That was the mistake. Whether I was going to lose the contract or not, when I heard the song... And I knew straight away that it was it was no good. Mm. I should have said, dear Mr Decker, thank you for considering me, but no thanks. Mm. Because I just went through the motions of doing something, trusting artistic people that weren't on my wavelength. So it's almost yeah. what you needed to do was take control yourself yes. of your own emotions, your own thoughts, rather than them controlling you. Absolutely. Yeah. But they were tough guys. I, I mean, they, you know, I did try a bit. They mm -hmm. said, OK, oh, you don't want to do it? OK, fine. Go away. Wait another six months and we might find something else for you. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I gave in to that. I allowed myself to be manipulated. And if you're doing something artistic, the biggest part of it that you need to maintain is the artistic mm. ability to Absolutely. express yourself. Uh, otherwise, you've got no chance. Yeah, because that's what you are. Uh, artistic people 
express their their emotions, everything. And when that's lost, what do you have left? Mm. Not a lot. Not a a lot. lot of depression and that's sadness, right. yes. Mm. But you can't have the ups without the downs. No, yeah. you can't. Life is really like that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So what advice have you got for people out there? What do you mean if somebody wanted to become an, an artist, a singer today? Or wanted today to be... or right now, people moving forward, you know, after these challenging times. And, you know, whether it's getting back on stage, um, it's taking a bit more control of their emotions. Even though you want to maintain your artistic, unique self, you can't do it by yourself. Mm. You need advice. I had a, a choreographer who got hold of me and said, if you want to be in this business, you've got to learn, first of all, how to walk on a stage. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, what does he mean, walk on a stage? I think <laughs> I, I can go, walk. <laughs> but that actually, when a choreographer shows you a way to walk on a stage and to get it set up, yeah. it makes so much difference, you yeah. can't believe it. Yeah. So there is, in fact, a necessity to get that outside influence without losing your own artistic point of view. Mm. You'd be advised by people that are looking at you and accept that advice. And you can't just open your mouth and sing. You have got to go to a Mabel Corrin. You have <laughs> got to learn how to breathe properly. You have got to sing in front of a mirror hour after hour after hour so that it's in your brain so much that it becomes second nature to mm. you. Don't kid yourself that somebody like, I don't know, Frank Sinatra again, had it easy. Yeah, no. It, the, the art of it is that it looks easy and sounds easy, but behind the scenes... It's a lot of work. Be prepared, it's bloody hard work. A it lot really of marbles is. in the mouth, like yes. the rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Every and you need people to tell you you can't do it all by yourself. Yeah. You need somebody on the edge that you trust to say, "Yeah, you were a bit off tonight. Wasn't much cop." And yeah. another time, you were great. You hit the spot. They all yeah. loved it. You need that. But that's with everything, isn't it? And I think the important thing is, and it goes back to mindset, which yeah. we were talking about, is being able to take that feedback, that criticism, yeah. or those statements. Without becoming defensive. Yeah, a lot Too of people true. can't do that. And they can't do that. They exactly. can't do that. And Absolutely. taking it on board and thinking, OK, I'm learning from it. And how can it benefit me? It benefited me from the sheer joy of it. Honestly, today, mm. at this great age, I still do it purely for love. I absolutely love it. Mm. And I, a drop of a hat, I'm out there singing wherever they'll have me because mm. I love it. Mm. Uh, and that, to me, is a good enough reason. I've had a lot of happiness and a lot of joy from it. Uh, you know, I've explained to you one or mm. two of the awkward bits, but mostly it's been joyous and, and I'm grateful. Mm. Brilliant. For God giving me a natural talent that yeah. I just had to develop. I wish I could sing. Mm. I'm Tell sure us about Cary Grant. Go on, oh, really quickly, really quickly, really Harry quickly, Grant. Because well, we want to give us a tune. <laughs> okay, I was appearing at a place in France. It was like a casino place, but they had a singer on the side. And I was sitting at a gambling table, and he came and sat next to me. Oh, wow. And he, he in those days, we all smoked. So he gave me a cigarette. 
which was an American cigarette that nearly made me cough my heart up. But, you know, I just said hello. You know, I've seen your movies. I think you're great. And he said, oh, thank you. And that was it. I mean, but I was really that close to him, as close as I am to you. Oh, and wow. I've got to tell you, he looked like a god. I mean, what a good-looking guy. He yeah, really he was. Wow. Yeah, he really yeah, was. He, he, he was, was. You know, wow. I could I could die for him, leave alone with women, <laughs> must have thought. He's an absolute great. And I thought... Fabulous artist, and mm. I was so humbled that he was so nice and friendly and ordinary. You know, have a fag. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Right, um, sadly, it's coming to that time. Oh. So, if anyone wants to listen to some of your music, can you give us your website? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, Tony Romero, all joined together. T O N Y R O M E R O. dot co. dot uk. And you can listen to me on there. There's five or six songs at least. And you can contact me from there and you can read a little bit about me. It's all and there. you can tell me what you think. And please be honest. Um, yes, Tony loves a bit of honesty. Yeah, I do. He if, loves you know, it. If you like this one and not that one, tell me because I like to hear it. I love to hear it. <laughs> right, so why don't you give us a quick 30-second tune of a song, just tune. a line of one of your songs, not the one we listened to today. Maybe luck be a lady. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck if you've ever been a lady to begin with. Luck be a lady tonight. <laughs> That's one of my favourite tunes. Thank you so much, Tony. It has been an absolute pleasure having you in the studio. Normie, it's been a pleasure as well. I think, you know... It's been amazing having two very, very different people who come in here, talk about their life, their journey. It's been fantastic. Our pleasure. Well, I think I've got to thank you for giving me the opportunity because I've enjoyed <laughs> it immensely and yep. I've so loved meeting I. you. Yep. Exactly. You never know who you can meet. They talk about That's that six-degree right. separation. Chandra, if you're listening, see, I'm using your clubhouse words. <laughs> right, so uh, it is time to say goodbye. If you want to uh, get in touch with me about the show, sponsoring, then please email me at mindsethorizons at gmail.com. And uh, I'll see you next time, same place, at the same, uh, same time, same place, next Friday. And um, I was going to say something, and it's just gone out of my head. Oh, I'm leaving you with my mission. Do you know what my mission is? No, tell mission. us. I empower you to empower your mind to live the life that you desire so that you can shine your light through the darkest of times. Oh, what a lovely expression. That's lovely. I like that. Well, it's been a can pleasure. Can we turn it into a song, do you think? I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, have a great weekend and keep safe. The Mindset Matters Show, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Zenat Nurani on Channel 2 Radio. I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming. Inside my head saying You'll never reach it Every step I'm taking Every move I make Feels lost with no direction My faith is shaking But I Ain't gotta keep trying